Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, good morning to you all. It's September 5th of the year 2019, and I have company, as you can see. Marilyn Kay is here, and uh, she is here because... She's teaching a class that I wish a whole bunch of Pittsburghers would bother taking at uh, CCAC, and it's called How to Lose Your Pittsburgh Accent, Anat. Right. <laughs> it's right. Anat. And for those who aren't from Pittsburgh, Anat is sort of an appendage that shows up on the ends of a lot of uh, Pittsburgh sentences that sort of means... Etc. I guess and right? so forth and so forth right. and that, but in Pittsburghese it comes out and that, and apostrophe a t. We have decided it is spelled. And do you know it was a caller to the, a listener and caller to my show that came up with those bumper stickers in at. How wonderful. I know. I was so proud of him. That's great. He sold quite, I mean, they, you see him all over the place. You do. It's how one Pittsburgher knows another Pittsburgher. Yes. So, Marilyn, you taught this uh, course, what, 20-some years ago? 20-some years ago, I wrote a course. I had relocated back from Northern California to take care of my parents, and I had some free time, and I wrote a course for CCAC North Campus, which was How to Lose Your Pittsburgh Accent. And we ran it about three or four years, and um, it sort of disappeared, and so forth and so on. And this summer, I got a call from one of the administrating staff from the evening classes and said, we found this course that you had written and wondered if we could bring it back. And I said, that old chestnut, why would they want to do that? Because there's still people talking like that. Exactly. I didn't mean to scream at you. That's okay. No, exactly. So uh, we're <laughs> running it in, the, in November, the 7th and the 14th. And this is at the CCAC Main, uh, campus, main campus, main uh, campus on the north side. On the north side, North Shore. Excuse yes, us. Yes, it was the north side when I was growing yes, up there. Yes, but now it's the North Shore exactly. because I guess that sounds better. I don't what know. Is it? Little erudite <laughs> for my taste, <laughs> yeah, but yes. Anyway, at the big CCAC campus, and it's a night class. It is evening. Good. So, um, when I, I have to tell you a story, when I first came to Pittsburgh. Um, I came um, after I'd already accepted a job at uh, WTAE Television, and I came in in November. I was to start in January uh, of 1981, but in November of 1980, I think it was, I came in to look for a place to stay mm -hmm. and to, you know, again, talk to the people there. Get they, acclimated. Yes. They put me up at the Holiday Inn uh, on the Parkway, which was pretty much almost across the street from WTAE yes. in Wilkinsburg. It is now not a Holiday Inn anymore. No. It's a Guardian storage facility. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's right. Ah, times change. So there I am in this city I really don't know that will soon be my home, and I'm sitting in the Holiday Inn in my room, and... A snowstorm starts, and this thing was 
I mean, I'm from Wisconsin. This was a doozy. This was something. It was white out. The snow was piling up. Cars, and the parkway ended up being closed down. Cars were like coming, um, getting off the parkway. People were starting to stream into the Holiday Inn like refugees. Right. Um, it was something. I mean, the lobby was filled. Um, so obviously, it's a big story. And I was really interested in watching the news on the station I was going to be working at. How do they handle this? Because exactly. you can't, for a news crew to get out in a blizzard like that, I mean, they got... They don't have anything different than anybody else, so I wanted to see how they could would handle it. So I watched the news on WTAE that night, and obviously they couldn't get anywhere. So I'm watching the story. They, you know, walked up to the parkway, and 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 they walked uh, next door to the uh, gas station, <laughs> Peewee's Peewee's gas station, Maryland, on Ardmore I love Boulevard. The name. I know. And Pee-wee was interviewed. Did you I, understand him? I did <laughs> not understand one word. I swear, I was sitting there. I still remember the shock. I thought, what is that? What is he saying? And I remember the next day saying to the news director at the station, I really think you need to subtitle your some of your interviews he says no you'll get you'll get used to it but i i would ask people for directions and i would listen politely as they told me i didn't understand much of what they said if you've been a pittsburgher all your life i don't think you have any understanding of how unintelligible Pittsburghese can be. Sometimes it can be very much like that. When the news about this course um, sort of hit the press, and the Trib did a very nice article, and there were responses. And I'm not on Facebook, which I think is a good thing at, from time to, to time. Would it have been a good thing? Do you think people were mad at you? They, well, I had a friend who sent me 12 responses, and of the 12, one was good. And the other ones were, why would you ever want to lose your Pittsburgh accent? I'm very proud of that. It, it determines and, and signifies who I am. But the one response that resonated with me was from a gal who said she's a native Pittsburgh, as am I. I was raised on the north side. I went to Perry High School. I graduated from Pitt. I don't think you can get any more Pittsburgh than I am. Nope. So um, she said this. She said, I'm a corporate trainer. And I travel, and I could not go into Washington, D.C. to teach a group of young professionals and train them and say, would yin's guys please turn to Chapter 22? No, I couldn't do that. It doesn't translate. And I think the response that some people have concerning the Pittsburgh accent is it is a colorful dialect for us, and we're very proud of it, as we should be. It signifies us as being a little different from a lot of the other folks that we run into. However, if we are in a regular situation that is biz requires a business discussion, a contract negotiation, teaching somebody in front of something, applying for a job, doing an interview, you want to put your best foot forward. And this course is about little 
hints on how to make that happen so you sound a little bit more professional. Right, because if you think people haven't lost job opportunities because of their Pittsburgh accent, or another accent for that matter. That's correct. Um, I, use, I teach a voiceover class as well, and <coughs> one of the instances I use all the time is Joanne Woodward was born and raised in the South. I think Mississippi, but I'm not quite sure. Joanne Woodward, Academy Award-winning We're actress, married to Paul Newman. Married to Paul. Thank you very much, right. Newman. And she came up, worked at the Actors Studio, lost her accent, and won her Academy Award by playing a Southern woman of different personalities. Right. So it is something that you can go back to and return to. I have a very close friend who was uh, a double on a film that was being filmed here in Pittsburgh. And uh, Russell Crowe was the actor who has a very thick... He was Russell Crowe's double? Yeah, very thick accent. And so <laughs> when... They would talk. He would talk. I mean, an, uh, he has an Australian, Aussie, and he was a typical Aussie accented really? That's how he really guy. talks. Yeah. But when <clears throat> he read the script and he did the scenes here in Pittsburgh, a lot of it was filmed around the jail. Oh, uh, he spoke in absolute perfect English. So it's a visitable to me. It's a visitable habit that you can. Yeah. Put in your back pocket and pull out when you want to. <coughs> exactly right. I know when I go home to my hometown of Green Bay, um, it doesn't take me long before I am really more <laughs> nasal. <coughs> hey, you betcha. You know, t t full on Fargo. Um, but I did work to lose that as well. Well, I think in broadcasting, it's it's uh, it's necessary. Yeah, in broadcast it is. It is because you want a sort of uh, exactly. homogenized, uh, you know, <laughs> flat, regular accent. But you know, I. Um, so that's interesting. No, don't get on Facebook or any of those things because it's where angry people go. I mean, that's in you know. I know. Yes. Take and offense. I, and I noticed that, and I thought we'll just do that. I um. Uh, I'd like to give another example about the use of this. Uh, one of the major evening news stations uh, closed their broadcast one evening by mentioning this class, and the news anchor said at the very beginning, the class, and used my name, is going to be called How to Lose Your Pittsburgh Accent. Why in the world would you want to do that? And then turned directly to his audience and spoke in absolute perfect English and did his entire broadcast. And I remember looking at that and someone had saved it and they sent it to me. And I said, my son came over and I said, I want you to see something. And we talked about that. And I said, I rest my case. Yeah. I rest my case. Yeah, really. That's exactly. You can say but this, but you, when you're turning and it's your job, then you say it in another direction. Exactly right. So one of the things, I mean, I, I was so f absolutely stunned by the Pittsburgh accent. Um, and it is very localized. It is. I mean, there is no other, if you, I, if you look at some of the words, I mean, it's a whole different vocabulary in some ways. If you look at some of the words that are understood here, that but aren't nowhere any other place. else, um, it is, if you you know, draw a map, where is this word used? It is literally just this tiny little spot. It's not like the word nebi. Mm -hmm. um, it comes from the Yiddish word nebish. No, it doesn't. It does. 
It's from a nebbish, like being, looking into things, inquisitive about something. But I thought all these words were coming from Scots Irish. Stuff. And a lot of people think that, but the point that I raise with the linguists who only insist upon those is the fact that we live in such a city that has a tapestry of neighborhoods. That's true. That started immigrant all immigrant neighborhoods that started right. back as far as the Industrial Revolution. So if you were a cer certain ethnicity, you lived in Bloomfield. If you were a certain ethnicity, you lived on the South Side. At one time, the South Side had 18 different Catholic churches, churches. of all Middle European origin. Sure. So now you have all of this mixture of language. My grandmother spoke, my one grandmother, my mother's mother, spoke German in the house, in the home. So I learned terms of endearment that were Germanic. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how it was. And then we would speak in English to her. That's how it evolves. And a lot of students that I had take this class were second generation the granddaughters whose grandma still lived in the home with them, and they spoke their specific language at home. Right. But these girls worked for the vice president of Reed Smith, yeah. and they wanted to be a little more professional and sounding. It didn't make what they were speaking at home wrong. It <coughs> made that part of where their comfort level was, but also professionally they wanted to have a comfort level as well. Now, I can see we're being very sort of tiptoeing around, not wanting to offend anybody with an accent, but now I'm going to offend people. You don't have to. I think it's a lazy accent in terms of in order to speak properly, you have to move your lips. You have to move your tongue. We have a call. Uh, be. Here. And let me, let me just say, we're going to get Marilyn. <laughs> Here, coming at you somehow or other. Um, a headset. Uh, is there enough? You're going to have to get closer to me. Whoa. Okay. Does that work? Mm -hmm. Okay. I just uh, wanted to say I think it's a lazy accent. Um, you have to move your tongue, your lips, in order to talk properly. And it seems a lot of Pittsburghese like Steelers. The, that's Steelers. That's the football team. <laughs> it comes out Steelers. Like L's. An L takes some... And I really think a lot of it is not using your your mouth and tongue. Well, a lot of us are fast talkers. And I think that uh, resonates with a lot of people. We're, um, we'd like to say it very quickly. Okay. And You're get so it done. diplomatic. <laughs> All right. We got Let's let the caller in. Yeah. Caller, go ahead, please. Hey, Lynn. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Great show for you, as usual, and your delightful guest as well. So, Thank you. Thank you. Um, I had a question for her. Do you? And it's Marilyn, right? Is correct. That correct. Okay, Marilyn. Do you also cover a basic pronunciation of uh, typical words? So, one of the things that just drives me crazy that seems to be a local thing, but I'm not sure if it is, is a word, for example, such as especially. And people around here tend to say ek-specially, as if the word starts with E-K mm -hmm. instead of E-S-P-E-C, etc. 
Um, so can you address that at all? I that's, a, that's a good question. They uh, Listen, K's get inserted a lot, X especially, mm-hmm. and Pittsburgh mm-hmm. for the city itself, right? So what or do you think? Or a T, like right. in Pitnick. In, or Pitnick, <laughs> where you want the K and you get the T. Right. So it's all mixed up. And what we do is uh, we go over some phrasing that has been uh, part of our vernacular for such a long period of time. And then we pronounce it a little slower, leading to Lynn's previous um, discussion. And we pronounce them more correctly so that when we slow it up a little bit and speak the word, we know exactly how it is. And we break it down by looking at the word itself. I do a lot of one-to-one. In other words, um, you will work with a partner uh, many times, and you read things, uh, some scripted material, some advertising material uh, that gets you accustomed to uh, a new set of verbiage that maybe is a little more comfortable for you instead of resulting in or going back to uh, your uh, fast way of speaking. So... In short, yes. <laughs> in short, yes. Well, well, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Th- thank you. Bye-bye. We actually have another caller here. I was telling her when I have guests, no one ever calls, and you are already set a record here. Um, is the other caller on the line? Hello. Go ahead. Hey, Lynn. It's Mike in D- Hi. Hey, Lynn. It's Mike in D.C. Hi, Mike. Um, I had heard that the reason that the Pittsburgh dialect, we don't move our mouths very much, is because um, back at the turn of the century, the air was so dirty that no one wanted to open their mouth. That's a new and one on me. that's part of the reason that we rarely move our lips. Wow. Well, it's a stretch. It, don't you think that's a stretch? Like if you open your mouth, like a cinder would fall in? Um, I don't know. Um, it was, but apparently it was that dirty that my grandmother dirty. said she would, she would dust one side of the room, and by the time she gets to the other side of the room, the first side was dirty already. I know. And then my grandfather had to take an extra shirt to work. That was because, common. And change midday because it was so dirty. That Isn't that? Had to have the lights on in the middle of the day. Yes, yes. So it's. I'm not sure they could. You could. Anyone could confirm it, but it does kind of make sense. Who there's wants a, to open their mouth to say stealers? <laughs> It's possible. Yeah. Sorry? It's possible. possible. It's possible. Um, it's it's akin to how um, somebody suggested that those of us who come from the northern regions of the United States have that nasal Fargo accent. Uh, they <clears throat> they said that because it's so cold in the in the winters and breathing in you know sub zero air actually like hurts that people sort of closed up if you have a wrinkle your nose you can close up your nasal passages and protect them from that cold air and the minute you do that guess what you sound like this <laughs> like francis i'm McDormand. not sure which is more annoying <laughs> they're both <laughs> awful don't sing, think. okay okay that's great <laughs> thank you bye. so much have a good day <laughs> bye <laughs> that's you wonderful. know speaking of accents you can take that off if we're not if sure. you're not doing a call. Um, <clears throat> um, just leave it here. Okay. Um, I'm. I was watching. I don't know. Probably some MSNBC or something last night for a little bit, and they had on a guest. 
who had been Barack Obama's uh, head of the EPA. In other words, somebody who actually cared about the environment. Um, and it was a right, as opposed to wanting to destroy it. And um, she had, I guess she taught at Harvard or something, she had the most astonishing Boston accent. Really? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I thought, she, I find the Boston accent off-putting as well. And I thought, geez, that didn't get in her way. Um, she, I mean, she rose to be a cabinet secretary. Uh, but, wow, her R's were just not right. I mean, they were all, and the vowels were strange. And yet highly educated woman. Exactly. I, I use as an example, and so I'm tipping my hat here a little bit about the class, but I use it as an example about the universality of language and and, and uh, accents of all different kinds, that uh, about 80 years ago there was a young boy born in the South to a sharecropper family and uh, about 85 years ago. And during the World War II, his mother had the opportunity to move up to Detroit and work in the manufacturing field to better their lives and to further his education. So she moved. And when they moved to Chicago, I'm sorry, they moved to Detroit, he stopped speaking. And she sent him to the school. They lived um, towards the southern part of the city. She sent him to school. And the teacher sent a note home and said, he is either quiet, when he tries to speak, he stutters, so he doesn't speak at all. May I work with him on Saturdays? So the mother allowed him to get the uh, get to her home, and um, she worked with him. He went on to go to the University of Michigan and major in drama. He then became uh, a Tony Award-winning actor. And today, in every place across the planet, from a hut over in Tibet to a great apartment overlooking Central Park, there is a voice that says, this is CNN. Oh, for heaven's sake. And James Earl Jones, to the world, represents what we sound like in America. The and voice of God. Exactly. He had a stutter. He didn't even speak. He didn't speak for the longest time. And he, when he moved from the south, he was out of his element. He was afraid. And I use this story as the fact that we can be who we want to be through our language when it strikes us that it's important to be that. We can also be very comfortable in the language that we were raised with. He was raised in the South. You know, I think of uh, language and vocabulary as is like, you know, the the stuff in your closet, the wardrobe in your closet. Just like you wouldn't wear jeans to a formal, you know, event. That's right? a good analogy. Right? Good. You, um, there are times when you sort of kick off your shoes when you're talking. You're in a relaxed setting. Exactly. With friends. Right. You say ain't, you say gotcha, you do your accents, whatever. You just relax. But there are other times that are more formal or, or just a different situation where, you know, business attire is suggested and business language has to be there, right? And it's up to you to make the choice on what, <coughs> on what you want to do. So to those 
people that say why would you want to why would you want to lose it exactly it's why would you want to lose it you but don't have you don't have you don't to. have to just don't always use it let's try it in different uh, settings um right. and let's go in there um a wonderful comedian who i adore billy gardell is made a whole career on doing right. this and i don't know him personally but i list knew him when he's on the local station on Tuesdays, and one of the interesting things I think about him is the utilization of his accent. However, he has a new series that's starting, I think, this week on CBS, and I don't believe when he went into Chuck Lorre and sat down to negotiate his contract <laughs> and everything that he did it in the Pittsburgh accent, yet that's how he makes a living, and that's a perfect example of when we use it and when we don't. Right. You make and he's very proud of his we Pittsburgh heritage as we yeah, all are. Yeah. Right. We make choices. Uh, just yesterday, I'm walking my dog, okay? <laughs> I'm walking my dog, and my dog is um, he, he's curious, and we walked by these two guys who were working outside a house, um, and he just immediately, you know, goes over and starts, and, and I'm always, you know, pulling him back. Pulling him back. And the guy, one of the guys says, hi, puppy, how are you? You're, you know, and engaged him. And I said, I, I was apologetically, I said, I'm sorry. Um, he's, and there was actually a moment where I calculated what word to use. I was looking at this guy. He looked like a Pittsburgher. And I was going to say, he's nebby. <laughs> Yet I have never used that word, <laughs> but I was going to say he's so nebby, and in, I just couldn't do it. And I said he's so nosy. <laughs> and, but that's a good that choice. Is, that's it. But either you one know, is a good choice. Yeah, it probably would have been. I just couldn't get myself to say. That's great. I also think that there's um, the accent. The accent on I, this isn't as egregious. But uh, Pittsburghers seem to put the accent on the wrong syllable a lot, to my ear. Mm -hmm. So it's um, umbrella. Now, I don't know what the dictionary says. Insurance. Insurance. You do know. Okay. Insurance. Umbrella. <coughs> Most people don't say the words like that. They say umbrella, the second syllable. Insurance. There it, must be a ton of other ones. It took me an awful long time <coughs> to note that the dictionary, although it's great for telling you what a word means, also lets you know how to pronounce it. And I think I had a great teacher in yeah. English in ninth grade that pointed that <coughs> out to me. Even, even something like red light. You stop at the red light. I think most people put the accent not on the adjective there, but on the noun. Red light. Green it's weird. It I is. mean, but just different. It's they're different patterns, and it's what you learn as you um, as you grow up. Mm -hmm. I used to uh, in where I came from, rather than an at at the end of sentences, we would say, um, "Oh God, oh this is wonderful." I've actually forgot. Oh, we would put the word once so that it would be, "I'm going over to." Uh, Joe's once. I'm going over to Joe's once. I went to see him once. Well, I don't know what the hell that was about. Or it's like the Canadians, eh? Eh, okay. So I Put I mean, Saturday Night Live had a fabulous 
career out of yeah. Dana oh, Carvey and them yeah, doing, doing that, doing it. which is just it? a takeoff on exactly how the speech pattern is. That's right. So my grandmother, who is not from Green Bay, would always say to me, well, why don't you go twice? And I remember <laughs> thinking, what are you talking about? I mean, like I thought, what? It didn't make any, what she said made no sense to me. Of course, what I was saying made absolutely no sense to her. She ridiculed me out of it by just constantly saying, why not twice? So I dropped that little bit. Um, oh, back with your headset there. Mar this is Marilyn Kay, by the way. She's teaching a class at CCAC that starts in November. Uh, how to lose your Pittsburgh accent, or how to put it away when you maybe it would be better served uh, speaking uh, standard English. Um, I I just chose a catchy title. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> hey, apparently. Uh, caller, go ahead, please. Go ahead. Hi. Hi. Uh, Susie from Swiss Home. I um, my my first husband and I when we were on a trip to. Key West, Florida. Uh, we were staying at a hotel and we went during the off season when there was, I think, only one or two other rooms filled. And we were at the pool. And just to be nice, this guy who was there with his new bride and his mother, of all things, which is kind of a Pittsburgh kind of thing to do, um, <laughs> also, um, came up to us and said, hi, where are you in from? <laughs> <laughs> and my, my husband and I looked at each other and literally had to scrape our jaws off the ground before we said, uh, we know where you're from. Uh, we're from Pittsburgh, too. And he said, well, I'm from Irwin. Oh, you were from Irwin. Okay. Uh, yeah, isn't, you know, but I think... We all have stories like that oh my gosh, of yes. being halfway around the world, you know, exactly. in India, in Africa, and we'll hear someone who is clearly from Pittsburgh. That's the only place they can be from. I, I lived in... Oh, yeah, yeah. I lived in Northern <laughs> I was California. In at, the old, at the old city, and yes. we saw a guy in a Steelers jacket uh, who, you know, was visiting, I guess, with another with another group and we said we're from pittsburgh and he said oh how you doing go stillers <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah it's a tribal thing you, you were it is i was going to say i lived in northern california for about nine years and i was going to go out for a, a radio commercial for hunts a national commercial and i called hunts wait a <laughs> minute what what Speaking of, you can't help Hunt sell ketchup <laughs> and talk about it here in Pittsburgh. I know, but I I was out for, and it wasn't for ketchup; it was for tomato sauce. So I called a former per, a colleague that I had done some voice work with at KDKA, and I had to get the number through an operator, which is unheard of right now. But yeah, that's right. what I had to do. Right. So I dialed the operator in Sausalito, and I, I said, I'm looking for this person's phone number. And without missing a beat, this woman said, is you from Pittsburgh? Oh, God. And I said, I am. And she said, I'm from East McKeesport. There you go. And I said, well, how nice to speak with you. 
the upside of this is, or it turned out to be the downside, when I was connected with this fellow, and I said, reintroduced myself, and said, I'm going to go out for this uh, commercial. I'm going to an open call, and I wanted to know, you know, if you thought I could, could I talk to you about making some improvements? And he said, well, first of all, Marilyn, you're going to have to get rid of your Pittsburgh accent. I had lived in the Bay Area for nine years. Wow. I didn't think I had anything at all. But, you know, I said, just, I just need to do this instead of just. I just. And it's just. And there again, I did it just now. Yeah, it, I it, did it just part, now. Right, it right. just creeps into our we vernacular. We all do. No, I know. We all we, we all, all do. do. Yeah. And that was quite a few years ago, but yeah. it resonated with me really, quite a bit. Really. So thanks for the call, thanks, dear. Susie. Um, I after uh, right after pretty much I came here. I was still so stunned that I took um, one of a, a piece I did for Channel Four was I took uh, like cards, uh, cue cards, down to the south side and with, along with a photographer, and I stopped people on the street and I just asked them, you know, could you pronounce these three words? And I think I had O-W-L. Okay. Owl. Owl. A-I-S-L-E. Isle, and I... S-L-E. I, I don't know, a, maybe I, possibly L-L. Anyway, they all are different. They were different. To if the ear. They're not pronounced properly. Mm-hmm. But everyone I held this up to said the exact same thing three times. Um, I'll, what, what, what would they have said? I'll, I'll, and I'll. I'll. <coughs> we put a lot of W's in after the first ow, vowel ow. a lot of times. And um, it's just, I mean, those are, those do not sound the same, really. They're not supposed to. So there's a differentiation. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm hacking and coughing here. Um, oh, damn. I had another story I wanted to tell. There's so many f- stories that come up when you're talking about um accents in pittsburgh and uh it is the beauty of it is that the and i use this word often the tapestry of all of the (coughs) neighborhoods that created us when we began to grow as a city have lived on through various iterations right and now um i first of all was on the north side north side as we said, with no TH in it. Northside. Northside. And, um, and now the area is called Observatory Hill, uh, which is quite lovely. Yes, uh, it is. To say, and so forth. And then we moved out uh, to the suburbs, and we tended to take our accents with us. Right. But they get a little more diluted because mm-hmm. in the suburb where I lived, the person on the right-hand side of us had come from Missouri, and the other people had come from California. So then you have a new blend and a new mix of uh, a way of speaking. So right. it uh, it <coughs> c- it continues just kind of down a different trail. Right. I, I remember the story. Please. I'm down doing uh, Super Bowl coverage or something, and I can't remember where. We were obviously out of town. Um, and... Um, 
also down there was uh, our anchor at the time, Don Cannon, and and um, just a, we had a whole entourage, <clears throat> and the, the we were set up uh, in this hotel, and the phone rang, in the, and I picked it up, and um, the person on the other end said, "Is Dawn there?" And I said, "No, there's nobody here by that name." I and. They said, are you sure? This is the number I was given. I said, for, for Dawn? I said, no, there is no Dawn here. And they said, Dawn! It was, I can't remember how much we went back and forth. They were calling for Don Cannon. And it was, I. my ear is absolutely hearing Dawn. D-A-W-N. Yeah. Because that's what the person was saying. D-E-A-W-N, Dawn. In the wrong gender, wrong pronunciation. <laughs> what? You have a good ear, Lynn. Jeez. God. That's great. So anyway, so if anybody wants to take... Uh, here, oh, well, I just want to share one email. Roger writes, not, I'm not a native of Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I, too, was somewhat flummoxed by the English spoken here. Creek is crick. Well, you know, creek is crick where I came from in Wisconsin. So that one didn't startle me. Slippery has uh-huh. only two syllables. Oh, I don't like that one. Slippy. Slippy. Wear your boots because it's slippy <coughs> outside. It's slippy out there. Mm-hmm. And my favorite, jag off. Yeah, wear that. That is very <laughs> specific to hear. I wonder where that came from. Um, he said, Roger says, I threw people completely when I first said North Oh, yeah, I'm going to North Versailles. Correct. <laughs> right. Where? Correct. North Versailles. Correct. Yeah, I don't know where that is. Well, yeah, North Versailles. The other one, Roger, is Root and Route. Okay. That's a real good one. Where do you live? I live out of Route 8. Where, do you, where are you going? Out Route 28. Okay. And most people route. in other places call it Route. Route. However, and we we say it as if it's spelled R O O T. But we routed the enemy, R O U T. Exactly. I always thought route was for that and it is root. It could very well be. <laughs> I don't say I'm arguing with the with the <laughs> speech teacher here. Whatever. You say tomato and I'll I say, say tomato, tomato and we'll we'll leave it at that. That's great. No, I would say if you say tomato, you're affected. Yes, affectations. Affectations. Correct. So, the, uh, oh, you're kidding. We have a caller. All right. Let's do it. Um, caller, go ahead, please. Hi. Hi, Lynn. It's Christina calling. And um, my favorite Pittsburgh thing was my daughter and her friend were riding on a bus one day, and they looked very similarly. Uh, they looked very similar, and the person on the bus just turned around to them and said, "Yes, twins." <laughs> I use that one all the time now. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yes, twins. That's so wonderful. Yes, twins. <laughs> May I use that in my class? I would love to use that little story in my class. May I do that? Oh, I think Christina's gone, but okay. I'll give you permission. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's not. Thanks, Christina. That is adorable. <laughs> That's wonderful. Anytime. Uh, yin's twins. That's wonderful. God. 
that says that says it all. <laughs> okay, so I'm just saying um, you can keep your accent, but learn to speak standard English as well for when it will benefit you. That's all. For when it matters. And that's how Roger ends his email. Mm-hmm. I, I, like your guest, he says, while I think it's charming, the accent, the language may hinder you getting a good job, especially outside of Pittsburgh. Outside of a specific general area. You know, even in Pittsburgh, I had I was t- talking to a friend a few days ago and saying I was going to have you on the show. Mm-hmm. And she said um, she works as a masseuse. And she said that where she worked at this place, and uh, they had someone come in for the receptionist job with a just incredibly thick Pittsburgh accent. And uh, she said, the owner said later, I can't give her the job. I don't want people thinking. That's the first voice that they hear when they call the station, when they call... Uh, even, a law firm, even in Pittsburgh. Correct. Correct. You know, so you don't have to get defensive. After all, I speak like this when I'm relaxed. <laughs> in Seoul, that's the other thing they say in 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 Green Bay ease. Another appendage in Seoul. So uh, I really enjoyed this uh, Marilyn in Seoul. Uh, in Seoul meaning isn't that so? I see. In so. I see. Didn't know what that derivative was. Isn't it weird, though? But so that's very specific to where I came from, in Seoul. So. And they're specific to a lot of other areas besides yeah. here. We're just fascinated with the one that we're going to be teaching in November. So people, to, to this is night class at CCAC. You right. might want to suggest it to some people you know, young people especially, who might be helped. Right. Um, and how do they, what do they do? I guess they can register online as CCAC, okay. uh, go on the catalog online. And the class is uh, November 7th and November 14th. It begins at 630 in the evening. It's on the main campus on the north side. Um, and it runs until about nine. And we will be having a lot of fun uh, exploring and utilizing our Pittsburgh accent and improving our speaking habits for another time as well. And that. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. But um boom. Thank you very much. Marilyn, thank you, thank sweetie. You. It was a pleasure. It thank was you wonderful. so much. Wonderful. Thank you. Marilyn Kay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, you can um take uh take her class if you need it. <laughs> or if you know someone who needs it. Oh, that was fun. People loved it. Here's another person writing in. Lovely and enjoyable guest. You got rave reviews. Thank you, you, Marilyn. Thank you so much. I want to, with the little bit of time we have left, I just want to, um, I want to share with you a uh, email that came in yesterday at the end of the show that I didn't get to. Um, And it was after I had pointed out that I think the way, the best way to, take down the NRA uh, would be for black people, especially black men, to join up, to go buy guns and big guns and open carry 
in states where open carry is a thing. And because um, <laughs> just stop and think. You think the, a lot of the guys who are like into open carry, first of all, they're all white as far as I know. I mean, I've never seen a black guy walking around looking like that. I mean, as I said yesterday, black guys get shot for walking around with an ice cream cone. Why would you walk around with an AR? I think I finally got this right. It's AR-15, right? And, or AK-47. Um, and what I just wanted to share with you is Milton popped in with a little bit of history, which is true. And when he emailed me this, I did remember. Uh, back in the, what, late 60s, early 70s, uh, part of the the social change uh, stew that that period was, was the uh, prominence of the Black Panthers. Uh, and they were... Uh, uh, an organization that scared the bejesus out of white people. <laughs> and it, it was black people just standing up for themselves. The Black Panthers did a lot of social uh, social work um, in their communities, but they refused to have their public uh, persona be the, uh, be the sort of uh, diffident black man. No, they they openly carried guns. They looked fierce. They scared the shit out of white folks. And at that point, white folks really were not used to seeing black people stand up. So Milton writes, and this is true, he says it was the Black Panthers' purchase of automatic weapons in the 70s that convinced then-California Governor Ronald Reagan to enact strict gun control laws in the state of California. I rest my case. If you want gun control passed, then black people have to save us. They've got to openly carry all over the country. Maybe a few will die in the effort. But better being shot dying in the effort to get this country back to some level of sanity in this regard than to die for having an ice cream cone. Oh, God. So there it is. Yeah, the Black Panthers started posing for pictures with what was then, I mean, nothing equivalent to these mass murder machines that we've got going now and damn if yeah a republican governor ronald reagan didn't all of a sudden find the second amendment a little bit wanting black men openly carrying guns yields Gun control. There is no doubt about it. And in that regard, just so as you know, the uh, San Francisco, it, it uh, doesn't have a city council, it has a board of supervisors, 
the San Francisco Board of Supervisors uh, on Tuesday uh, passed a resolution. Um, all it is is a, you know, it's a statement of the city. And this resolution uh, declared that the National Rifle Association was a domestic terrorist organization. Domestic terrorist organization. Uh, the resolution also urges uh, the city to examine any financial relationships it has with companies that do business with the, this domestic terrorist organization, the NRA, and, uh, and, and then withdraw uh, any business from those organizations that would support uh, the NRA. Uh, let me read to you part of the declaration. <laughs> The National Rifle Association musters its considerable wealth and organizational strength to promote gun ownership and incite gun owners to acts of violence. The National Rifle Association spreads pop propaganda that misinforms and aims to deceive the public about the dangers of gun violence. And the leadership of the National Rifle Association promotes extremist positions in defiance of the view of a vast majority, a majority of its membership and a vast majority of the public and in so doing undermines the general welfare. Went on to talk about uh, the fact that the uh, this country's gun homicide rate is 25 times higher than any other developed, <laughs> I don't think we belong in that category anyway, developed nation in the world. We certainly don't belong in civilized nations. And uh, 36,000 people in the U.S. die in gun-related incidents every year. That, folks, is an average of 100 per day. One hundred Americans every day. Gee. And so the resolution ended thusly. The city and county of San Francisco should take every reasonable step to limit those entities who do business with the city and county of San Francisco from doing business with this domestic terrorist organization. I love it. You do get a sense that things are starting to turn. And every indication from every national poll is that Americans, even Republicans I believe, Americans overwhelmingly want some kind of sensible legislative, federal legislative response to this scourge. Who knows where and when today? Maybe, I, you know, I'll walk out the street here and it'll be here again. 
I don't think you hear people saying anymore, I never thought it would happen here. You know, that was the old line people used to say. Anybody who thinks it won't happen where they are is out of their cotton-picking minds. I want to again do a shout-out to uh, the British Parliament for having the guts to stand up for uh, their system of governance and not allow uh, the would-be autocrat Boris Johnson to uh, ride roughshod over their uh, representation of the people as opposed to what uh, Moscow Mitch McConnell has done here. He has destroyed democratic rule. He has destroyed the Senate of the United States. We really do have to rethink um, some of the infrastructure of our governance. It worked pretty well up till now. And the Senate is no more representative of the will of the people of this country. If 85% of Americans want sensible gun legislation and the, the guy who runs the Senate refuses to allow a vote on anything, even bipartisan legislation, then what kind of a government do we have? Is that a representative government? If Mitch McConnell can absolutely do what he wants to do because he's too busy pleasing the National Rifle Association. E.J. Dion, uh, writing in the Washington Post today, says that the, this mess in, in Britain and uh, the Senate's failure to act in any way on gun violence uh, is should force us to think hard about what these two historic democracies, Great Britain and the United States, need to do to make their systems work again. Um, at least you have, uh, as I said, the House of Commons standing up to and thwarting Boris Johnson. But here you have instead Mitch McConnell and his minions enabling our would-be autocrat, Donald Trump. Um... And here's what Dion says about that. Wait, wow. Here, here's got, he's got the numbers here. When it comes to gun control in the United States, the Democratic failure, not the Democratic Party, the failure of our democracy is more straightforward. In blocking a vote on a, on a bill passed by the House requiring universal background checks, Mitch McConnell is clearly foiling the will of an overwhelming majority of Americans. A poll in July found that 89% of Americans support background checks. 84% of Republicans support 
background checks. And it's not just that our Senate has become this wildly undemocratic institution. We've talked about this before because every state gets two senators. A state like California with its huge population gets two senators. A state like Wyoming with more cows than people gets two senators. If you live in Wyoming, man, do you have some power in the Senate. If you live in California, you got none. 41 senators, almost half of all of the senators that make up our Senate, represent just one-fifth of the country's population. And they can block action through filibusters. Um, I don't know. Dion writes, friends of liberal democracy need to revisit the classic questions about what direct role voters get to play. How referendums, maybe, should be structured and what decisions are best made by representative bodies. He's talking about, you know, the Founding Fathers did a lot of good stuff, but it ain't working right now. And in the United States, he says, we need to confront how radically undemocratic the Senate has become. Hoping against hope, he says, perhaps the mass shooting crisis will force us to acknowledge that the Senate, which fancies itself as the world's greatest deliberative body, is now one of the world's least representative institutions. And that's the truth. So, is that it? Did I? Oh, I got to share this email from one of you. Well, I was talking about forgetfulness and how I forget half of my life, maybe three quarters of my life. He wrote this email to me. I loved it. Do you think we just forget what we want to? I am 80 years old and remember listening to you and Doug for many years. I was married for 40 years and got a divorce in 1997. I had three kids, but I can't remember having sex with her. <laughs> His wife of 40 years, he has no memory of having sex with her. And he says this in parting, I don't hate her. But I guess you just, I don't know, clean your mind. <laughs> and by the way, Barbara says, aha, the dictionary says root 66. It is root, R-O-O-T. Marilyn, it is root. And route is for routing the enemy. You rout the enemy. 
You travel on the route to engage in the battle to rout the enemy. I rest my case. Jeez, what a short week this was. Um, yeah, guys, so uh, tomorrow um, there will be a show here. It just won't be me because the guys at City Paper take the hour and do their own thing. Check it at, as we say here in Pittsburgh. Check it at. And have a great weekend, and I'll see you Monday. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.